welcome to episode 96 of the Daniel Yours podcast with today's guest, Anthony Kunkel. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by my man, Anthony. Anthony, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Yeah. I think you and me have a few crossover points that are, that are worth unpacking for people. Yeah, this this episode has been uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been a few months now since we've kind of like been introduced to each other through the Wukio brand, which which we'll certainly get into. But you've been through from from following you quite a lot over the last few months of ending up the race season, your ankle injury, and stuff that we're all going to get into. But I just want to give you a quick chance to introduce yourself and like tell people who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, man. Thanks, thanks, thanks for the the plug and the following. And it, it's always good to like actually actually have a social aspect to our social media, right? <laughs> That's right. And yeah, it's, it's always every six months, I feel like I'm a new human being. And that's, that's really the ultimate privilege as I view it to, to what I'm doing and, and how I've managed to, to contrive this, this life for myself. And yeah, I, I, I guess I'm a restless biohacker kind of nerd that, that thinks that there's very little that I can't do if I really, really decide. I, I've just, I've been repeatedly shocked by how much I can get done when it works. It's just like, you know, I, I looked at my training buddy this morning and, and we had another one of those moments and we have one, I don't know, seven to 14 times a week of just like looking at each other and being like, dude, it worked. <laughs> it's like the, the thing we're, we're doing the thing. This is it. And with, with that in mind, I've, I've managed to pull off a couple of national championship wins and represent team USA abroad under the international Olympic committee. And now I'm chasing the Olympic marathon trial standard. So five fifteen a mile for a marathon. And I'm just kind of mixing it up coming from a really odd background. Most people come from 5k speed and extend themselves up to the marathon as they age into it. Whereas I was really too curious for my own good probably and gotten the really long stuff at a younger age and just kind of got addicted to failure. Really. It's so much fun to just kind of like, if you have the tolerance for it to not hate yourself and still dream big and dare big and, and swing for the fences every time, then it's, it's shocking how forgiving you are to your past self and even how, how forgiving everyone else is. You think that the internet's full of haters. And I feel like my view has been that myself, my past self, my present self and everybody around me tends to um, be more forgiving than I would anticipate in the sense that you really only remember the, the, the wins. And so you think about like, man, that was so cool that you ran six hours and change over hundred K. And then everybody immediately forgets yourself included the dropouts and the injuries and everything else. And so um, that's where I'm coming from. Just this, this academic curiosity, arm's length with myself kind of approach. And it's, it's worked. It's, it's, it's resulted in enough success that I have a little bit of a platform and that puts a lot of pressure on me to then try to explain what it is that I'm doing out here. Like, what am I learning? What's what, why do I earn? How do I earn my food every day? You know, how do I earn my space on, on planet earth here? And if all you're providing is fast times, I don't think that's enough. And so now that I have more and more of a, of a base of results and, and people looking at me, I, I feel, I take that very seriously to kind of like put out, you know, I, I tell people, I, I really like it. Like maybe I should put it on a shirt or something, but when in doubt, put out or when in doubt, put the fuck out. <laughs> it usually is, is what it is of just, you know, there's no room for doubt and existential dread when you're doing the thing. And so just shut up and do the thing and see what happens. And that's, that's been the driving force for me. And, you know, my, my venue is, is primarily ultra running, although I do a little bit of snowshoe racing and I like to think that I'm, I'm fast enough to hold my own on the roads and on the trails and on any venue. And I have a, I have a pretty well-rounded repertoire of race results and, and things that I can do with my body. And then very recently I hopped into obstacle course racing just because I'm surrounded by 
training buddies that are that are doing it. And so that's I definitely have more talent in obstacle course running than I do in straight road running because the people that are beating me are so unathletic, and that's why they're so good at running real fast. They're not zero. <laughs> Whereas me, I like, I, I have the gymnastics background and the martial arts background and you can see it physically on my body. Like I don't look like the people that I'm competing against. I look, I look skinny by myself. And then you see me on a start line of a marathon and you're like, dude, you are jacked outside your mind. Get out of the gym. And I'm like, I've been in the gym in eight months or 15 months or whatever it's been. It's like, I don't touch anything heavier than a grocery bag. I just, this is my body. And so it's, it's just such a fun journey, man. I think that's where you and me overlap more than anything is this is, this is something for everybody. This is not some elite thing. Um, you know, there, there's lessons to learn anywhere. And if it doesn't apply to the average person, if it's not going to make the average soccer mom enjoy her fitness routine more then it has no value. I don't, no one cares about being faster in the end of the day, at the end of my career, I won't even care how fast I went. I don't, I don't believe. And so I don't think anybody else should either, but you know, obviously to, to take somebody that's not super talented in something and to make them appear talented or put in good results that takes some finesse, but then that's shareable. So that's, that's exciting. And that's, that's who I am. That's what I'm about. And that's what I'm doing here. I think. It seems to me that the distance running sport, and this is all distances, anything that's not a sprint is far more mature than short distances and most other sports. And that there seems to be this love of the pursuit of the whole thing. And maybe it's because, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but maybe it's because that, there's not a whole lot of money the, the maybe the top marathon runners like maybe make some decent money in sponsorships and whatnot, but it's not some crazy spectator sport like football or basketball or something like that, where, you know, there's no LeBron James kind of thing. And so it then becomes like, yeah, okay, you're the best in the world, but like, you know, what did you really gain from that and how do you bring it back? And this is another thing that endless curiosity of, of the physical and what that translates to outside of this, like you were explaining to me right before we hit record is just how to find these like other life experiences through running and through that exploration of self, if you will. And one thing that you were mentioning that I, that I, you know, want to ask you right in the, right off the top was whether you think that your curiosity is something that actually hinders your performance as you kind of alluded to, you're more built than other marathon runners. You do the obstacle course racing, you'll do shorter distances or way longer distances. Whereas someone who like just trains marathons, like they just do that thing and hyper-specialization does become valuable at some point in one's athletic career. And, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on the impact of your curiosity? I mean, we'd have to define success, right? It has to get real, real deep, real quick over here. You know, could I run a 215 marathon if I really, you know, instead of a 217 or 218, I, I think so. I mean, maybe, maybe 213, 214. When I really look at the data and say like, what if I just got emaciated? You know, what if I just, what if I just starved myself down? Or, you know, there's, there's some less than savory ways that people do manage the weight thing anyway, that I'm just not interested in. And I, I think I could, and, and I think it does all kind of go into the same bucket. Anyway, you know, once once you're talking about an event longer than four minutes, you're talking about the aerobic system, period, hands down. It doesn't matter if I do clean and jerks for eight minutes. Like, that's primarily an aerobic thing. The second you start going that long, there's no other way to fuel it. And so, therefore, it does kind of all go into the same bucket. I think I give up less than we would think as, like, with our scientician hats on here, less than, less than we would think you would give up. Um, and it's kind of things that I can't really strip away from my body anyway. It's kind of like muscle mass in my legs that just won't go anywhere. Like I'm never going to have a, a Northeast African build 
period. There, there's no amount of there's no amount of supplements or drugs or training that could ever make that happen. And so it's kind of embracing my my well roundedness that I that I have anyway. That I can't I I could if I could trade it to the devil I would, but I can't. So I might as well just do something with it. And so I'm not I'm not so sure that it. I would argue it doesn't rob me of anything internally. The the curiosity being its own path brings me brings me peace. Mm. And, and I, I don't say that lightly. I mean, I say that as somebody that like does morning pages every day and really tries to get all my ducks in a row and asks myself what I'm most afraid of and what I'm wasting and what I'm, I mean, I'm asking myself, I don't have good answers for any of these things, but I, I'm asking myself these questions regularly. And that puts a certain, a certain severity or um, certainty to a lot of what I get into now in my tiny little corner of the world. And so when I, when I say that it's, it's bringing me peace, I mean, I, I freaking mean that man, it, there's, there's nothing better than going out there and calling your shot and blowing up catastrophically and soaring too close to the sun, or maybe it works, you know, maybe, maybe it all works and it's smooth or maybe, you know, I, I pissed off a few people last season by saying, I'm going to do an untouchable goal at this 24 hour world champs. And not only that, but it's going to be easy. And people are like, this guy's a dick. <laughs> like, like people that didn't, that didn't know me. And I heard a few people being like, oh, he's actually a nice guy. Like after they met the person, I'm like, yeah, like tell me what your goal is. I'll believe in you as strongly and as ferociously as I believe in myself in a freaking second. Like I'll be your first fan. And just tell me, tell me what you're going to do. Show me that you're putting in the work. And so I, I think people get that wrong. And I just it's so much fun to, to do everything that you can as a human being that if I had more bodies, I would have more fun. You know, if I could, if I could recover infinitely, I, it would be more fun. I, w- I would do more with that. I think there's, I'm not even, I'm not even scratching the surface of what my own curiosity would drive me into doing. And if that's costing me, I don't know, a few minutes, five minutes, even onto my marathon time, so be it, man. This is, this is a journey it, to, to get me faster than that. It would involve specializing to the point that I'm, bland i think that's part of what when we talk about running has no money in it it's because runners are boring you know the the type of person who can put in 100 or 140 miles a week by themselves on the roads at particular paces and just like manage the pace and their hydration and their and their splits and all this stuff they're boring people like on on the whole they're not people that you want to like hang out with and and i hang out with them plenty so that's not you know and i am one of them to some extent right it's like who am i like people in glass houses here but I think that's that's part of it. It's it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing of, you know, are runners boring because they don't have to be entertaining? That it's not incentivized to be entertaining. And really, you know, a guy like me talking about sacred sexuality and healing a knee injury with magic mushrooms and like all of this stuff that's that's to me is the point. Like that's integrating the athletic experience. And it's it's I cannot possibly split that away from the running and the race results. It's impossible to my mind. I just can't. They're, they're so, they are the same thing. They're not even wedded things. They are the same thing. And you compare that to somebody that's sponsored by like Hoka or Nike or like some big, I probably shouldn't even name names, but it's like some big shoe company, right? And they want you to shut up and do fast race results so that the average people that are trying to qualify for Boston will buy those shoes because they saw you in a race in them. And that's, that's an easy enough business model. Like I'm not, I'm not beefing with that business model. But what about this idea of an athlete pushing the dialogue? What about the idea of, you know, you're doing something that other people aren't doing. What if you learned something? You have to be learning something. I mean, almost definitively, you're, you're to do something that other people can't do or haven't done or won't do. You're going to have lessons come out of that, that normal people would benefit from and normal people wouldn't have access to otherwise without you speaking it. And I just, I think of the few times where I've been 
gobsmacked by a piece of art, like a piece of physical art. And man, I want to say things and do things and show people things that give them that. Like, I want people to stop in their fucking tracks and be like, man, what if, I mean, and some of it is those, it's, it's wedded with, with the idea of like taking me as, as some swaggering, arrogant person or something, because the level of confidence that it takes to do something that's never been done before is, is immense. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost the far end of the spectrum without any able, without any ability to argue against that. And so I think that's, that's my driving force, but it's, it's, it's not just my life, right? It's like, it's me actively living it and creating it. And so that's, that's what I'm after with all of this. And yeah, I mean, I'm losing myself here probably, but it's just, it's, it's such a trip, man. And and I want to be able to exchange that with people. And that's why I'm so grateful for, you know, venues like this, where I know, I know your following gets it, man. They're, they're looking, they're looking for these little secrets. And it's like, I think I have secrets for the first time in my life. I don't, I don't have to blush to say that, or I don't have to feel like I'm selling some product to say that. Like I have secrets and you need them. And so here we are, we're going to, we're going to try to unpack some of these and try to take something inarticulate and off in the ether. And we're going to try to package it and gift it to people. And that's, to me, that is, that is like, that is like a working definition of God right there. I've always said that there's a lot of beauty and lessons that come from the extremities of life, be it something negative like war or famine or something like that, or something like a an extreme athletic endeavor like something that you do, because most people don't go to those places, don't push themselves to those physiological limits, and me included. This is not like a call out. Like I've never run 50. I've never run a 5K. Well, no, I've definitely run a 5K, but whatever. That's not the point. The point is people don't go to those places, and so the things that you learn about yourself through those endeavors, extrapolate back to regular life. And it probably gives you a huge advantage as far as like the branding and message awareness kind of stuff over other runners in the fact that you are infinitely curious in other things. Your sole purpose is not, I only want to be the best marathon runner or the fastest marathon runner in the world. You want to do all of the things, which relates to more to most people. Most people want to be able to have a decent 5k time a decent marathon time but they also need to be able to play with their kids and like do other stuff not just be solely focused yeah i mean that's, on the that's one the real point, endeavor. Right? that's the real point. exactly like that that's 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 real living if what you're doing doesn't make you more alive and more articulate and in a more defined human being then what are you doing like that's that's yeah. that's the, that's the real point of it all is is like are you are you a better friend are you a better lover are you a better significant other are you a better you know family member which like i am definitely a shitty family member but it's like um you know there's just there's so many layers to you and and it's it's your humanity and so you're you go off and you develop yourself in this in this inherently selfish way right like you're you're eating more calories you're taking calories from the world you're taking you're taking cush living from the world especially at the top end right like you're doing ice baths and and you know, like I have a, I have an awesome chili sleep, right? Like I can get my room to the right temperature with a space heater and then have my chili sleep, get my body to the right temperature. And it's like, that's, that is decadence. I mean, that is ridiculous decadence. And even though I'm broke, you know, I live on $0 a month or like a few dollars more than that. It's like, that is, that feels very decadent every day. And, but it's not the point, right? Like the, the point is not biohacking. I think that's, that's why I resisted it for a long time to be like, I'm a biohacker or like, this is something that I do. And I think it's a good summary. It's a good like Cliff's Notes thing. But the idea that I would just be messing with the data, it has to have a and then what? And I think the running does too. Mm. And then what? It's like, well, then, then, then I'm a more solid person. So like my kid never has to ask me, 
well, what if it gets hard and I want to give up? They'll just see that you just put out, like you just do the thing. Like you define your dream and you chase it as hard as you possibly can until you can't stand on your own volition anymore or proverbially can't stand on your own volition anymore. And that's it. And that burns away existential dread like nothing else that I've found. And I think I'm I'm just on the level of intelligence enough that if I really thought about it, I would have a lot of existential dread. And so the idea that I have something to do that's beyond <laughs> myself, oh man. I would, it would cause such problems for me. And so that brings me more solidity than I would ever have otherwise from my sport into my friendships or building this team or like the ultra house Durango being its own kind of brand at this point. And all of us vagrants just training together and living in the trailhead <laughs> and um, chasing the dream. And so that's, that's everything. <laughs> I think there's also a lot to be said for the, the selfishness and the supreme self-belief of your sport and and for that matter, any individual sport. And I've seen this in the media for, you know, across, it happens a lot in fighting or combat sports where people, you know, a fighter will call out there, you know, I'm going to knock you out in the first round. Like, wow, that guy's so cocky. It's like, well, if he didn't fully believe in himself or herself, they probably wouldn't be where they are. And so, you know, in your, in your sport, same thing. It's like, if you go into the race thing, yeah, I'll probably come in like, you know, 20th place. It's like, well, the point of the point of the race is is to win. At the end of the day, we can talk about having fun and self exploration and all these things. But you, you know, you show up to play the sport to win the sport, whatever it is. And having this supreme self belief doesn't mean that you think that you are necessarily better than others. It just you are going to show your best self, put your best effort forward, due to all of the amazing training that you've done, doing all the right things, checking all of the boxes. And that's going to lead to an exceptional result. And so I think that we can extrapolate that to everything in life. You don't show up to your job thinking, yeah, I'm just going to be the schlep at the company for forever. You show up at your job and it's like, well, you know, I'd like to think that I'm really good at what I do. Otherwise, you should probably do something about that to try and improve yourself. So I think that where, you know, where I'm kind of going with this is whether you always had this self-belief, this extreme self-belief, or if you developed it over time and how did you go about developing that? I think part of it is just the objective reality of the situation. (laughs) If I'm, if I'm worried about something, I'm going to do something about it. And that's innate. Like that's that, that is an innate curiosity that comes from probably from having basic needs met. You know, if I had grown up in, in horrible foster care or something, I wouldn't have the freedom or the drive or the need, the, the, the whole, I would have a void filled just by getting basic needs met that I wouldn't need to go. I mean, Mm. there's a reason that the 99 percenters in this sport, you know, the one percenters that are winning are broke, starving artists. And the 99 percenters that are participating are upper middle-class working people that, that, that add value to society and are like actually doing the thing that aren't opting out of real life by being athletes, whatever that might mean. And so there, there's this little like dichotomy that has to be considered when we talk about any of this, but the idea that, that we need this drive, if, if you're struggling and hustling just to, just to float, you're not going to need to go make yourself miserable on the weekend. Right. But then at the same time, if you're in a, if you're, if you're a lion in a field of lions here and you're going out there to compete and you've done every little thing that you can, I mean, I might not be talented, but I have enough talent that you are going to have to, you're going to have to find something that I'm not doing to do. And, or you're going to have to have a lot more talent than me to, to compete with me. And so with that in mind, I mean, that's, that's a big, at a certain point you're in free fall. 
And I talk about that during the event or during the weeks before or the months before or the lifestyle. But at a certain point, you're you're stacking these quotidian things, these things, the, the monk mode, as I call it, of just like, what do I need to do every single day that in eight weeks, whether it felt good or not, I will be a monster on race day. And I've gotten really, really good at that. It's not, it's no longer playing with fire to make sure that my fitness is right on the day. I know exactly how to do it at this point. And that's from, you know, 12 years of running logs of, of like logging everything that I can possibly do and making these little tweaks. You better come in with so much more talent than me that you don't need that. Otherwise you, you got 12 years to make up for me. And guess what? I'm going to keep logging. I'm going to keep learning and stuff's going to keep changing. And you have to you know, like the red queen, you have to run as fast as you can just to stay in place at the, at the top level of sport, right? You have to, you have to be moving and moving and moving and getting better and better and better and better just to stay in place because young, hungry dudes with, with better training or, or better hacking or better something, even if it's better drugs or better shoes or like these things that we don't really wish were in the game. If you ask me, I wish it was just raw, naked human bodies against raw, naked human bodies. But you better come in there with some with some assets that I don't have that I can't possibly acquire because what gives me the confidence is that I've done everything that I possibly can. And that that gives me a lot of swagger. And then, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm training with some of the best people in the world. You know, I, I didn't run D1, but two of my, my training buddies that I've spent the most mileage with in Durango were savagely fast D1 runners. And it's like, all right, I can eat your lunch almost every time that we go to the well together. Like I, I, I will do what you're going to do and I will do it smiling. And so it's like, just because I've never done the thing, you know, I never ran a 355 mile, but it's like, if I can train with somebody that did, that gives me a lot of confidence and going out of my way to then train with some of these amazing athletes that I have is, is awesome. And, and it's a rush and it's a gift and it's a blessing and it's all these things, but it also gives you a lot of confidence going into race day to, to think, you know, that, that's, that's where the individual sport and the team sport kind of merges. You know, a lot of mentions fighters, a lot of fighters talk about their teams and mm. that would seem weird to me if I didn't, if I didn't live that same lifestyle, like, listen, dude, we're monsters. You're not going to, you're not going to come in here and think that you have enough talent or enough, you know, half marathon speed or something to come, to come roll with us for some event. Right. It's like, we're, we're doing the thing. Like we're, we're measuring sleep, dude. Like we're giving stuff up, you know, we're fat adapting in the preseason. It's like, we're doing stuff that the average runner is just not willing to do. You know, if, if you're over here laboring over like, Oh, you know, I, if, I could just be, I could probably be a little faster if I gave up beer. It's like, dude, you, you really do get to a point where it's not how bad do I think this thing is for me? And it's, is this thing benefiting me? Because once you realize there's value in giving things up just for the sake of giving them up, the world is open to you. And that's when I know that I've given up things that other people won't give up, even if I think they were neutral things to begin with, that gives me an edge and gives me a little bit of like primal, raw, like I will crush your head and eat your freaking heart. Like that gives me a little bit of, of something that mm. you just can't touch from a relaxed life. And so we can do that for ourselves, at least temporarily. You know, you mentioned the the small amount of money and running. You know, my, my juiciest sponsor contract is all going into stock right now so that I don't see a freaking dollar of that. And I was, I was $6 and 40 some cents over my bills last month. Like that's how freaking close. And I don't spend money on anything. I don't spend money to travel. I don't spend money to race. I am like, I am a monk dude. Like I am not. And that gives me a lot of, I think internal power and, and clarity of like, I'm doing the thing, you know? And when you're going to come in here and say, well, 
I have, I have this rich life and, and all these things and, and I, I, I get to cut back once a week or I get a cheat day or I get whatever it is, then you have no business talking. You, you have no business being at the same table as me when it comes time to compete because I'm doing the thing. You have to root against me. You have to root for, for Rocky instead of Apollo Creed. It's like, I'm doing all the things, you know? Like, and I've been doing them for a long time. Like, this ain't no montage. Like, this is day in, day out, you know? <laughs> my, my training buddy, DJ looked at me this morning and, and says, oh, you know, 40, whatever it was, 46 and a half or 47 and a half more training weeks. And he's talking about till World's Toughest Mudder next year. He's talking about till, till the World Ultra Obstacle Course Racing already. His hands are all ble- beat up. He had his first few real sessions back and he's, he's already <laughs> talking about next year. And those are the people that I want to be around. I want to surround myself by that. And then we all look at each other and, and it becomes normalized. And that's that's real, real living. It's it's You're not going to convince us that it's not. And that has, that has power in and of itself. Just the, the, I'm okay calling it faith that it's real or that it matters. That's okay by me. You know, maybe it doesn't, but if I can see a lifetime of work ahead of me on this path, it, it, it seems like it behooves me to just set about doing the work. Don't think, well, what about this other path? Well, what about this? What if I'd be better at that? Or what if I'd be happier with that? Dude, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. It's like my primary characteristic is that I'm happy. It's, and I think I only know that because I'm a single male who like dates around a little bit. It's, it's funny when like you have a, you have a romantic yeah. connection and it's like, well, what do you see in this? And she's like, you're the only person in my life. That's really, really happy. Like you're happy. <laughs> and it's like, damn, <laughs> like that's, that's a scarce resource out there for somebody that's like incredibly articulate and intelligent. And like I have a type, right. And to see that reflected back to you is validating and eye opening. And I think, I think that's where the truth lies to me, or at least enough of a truth for me to put faith in it, that I'll just, I would rather set about doing this work and just spend the lifetime that, that I can see to do because that, you know, like I said, that saves me from existential dread. If nothing else, it gives me, it gives me something to, to do every day while I'm, cause there's that aspect of it as well as an athlete, not to keep preaching on this, on this same topic, but there's just so many different ways that I've spun this. And I would love to just keep brainstorming until I can get it just right and then make it into a chapter in a book someday. But the, the, this this athlete furthering the dialogue is great, but the the setting about of work to to give you kind of this purpose is so much more than any kind of athletic thing, and it really does. Oh, I think I lost you there. Anthony may have cut out right at uh, <laughs> right at a, a climactic point. Hopefully, he can he can come back in or I'll have to cut this out and get us back on. But um, let's just, let's just give this a second. Okay. Is that doing the thing? There Is we that go. Me? No, we're back. We're back. Is that the app? All right. There we go. So uh, finish off what you were saying. Cause you, cause you did get cut off and, and, and cut out there. Yeah, no, that was almost a perfect spot. I was like, I was like, I don't know. Let's talk about diet or something. <laughs> Cause it's just like, it, you get so spun up into all this and, and the, yeah, it's, it's so much more than, than athletics to me. But then if you, I think we waste a lot of time thinking about why we know things and there's certain things that we just know and encompassed in that is the next step to take. And if you stop thinking so damn much about why this might be the best thing or like what this might get you and Mm. you just take the next step, then you'll learn something. And, and, you know, you might even become a different person by the time you have to take the third or fourth or fifth step. So if you can't see 
all the things that you that you know if you can't see the finished result just keep connecting the dots until maybe you can see what the big picture was and that's that's an act of faith for sure you know that's 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 faith in your highest self or whatever you want to call it god with a capital g or a lowercase g or however you want to cut this universe that's yeah absolutely faith. i think i think a lot of it just you know trying to summarize uh, everything you just said it comes from the work that you're doing you know what you're doing you have conviction in what you're doing in what in in yourself and in the work that you are putting in day in and day out you know you know that you are doing the absolute most that you can do and leaving nothing on the table and that's where the confidence comes through in this logical next step of your evolution as a runner and as a person just comes. You might you don't know what you're going to be six months from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, but you know that whatever the next step is, you're going to do that and you're going to take that next step with as much vigor as you possibly can. And that is probably what separates you from most other people on, again, both, both an athletic standpoint and uh, just a human standpoint is like you said, you are genuinely happy and that is uncommon and that's unfortunate but most people are kind of just going through the motions and getting through stuff and they take the next step but not consciously it just happens to happen and when you take that next step with your you know your whole leg and hip and everything into it that makes a little bit more of an impact a little bit bigger of a footprint in the ground if you will yeah big time I want to talk a little bit about overcoming the ankle injury that you had recently. Explain like what that injury was and like what that process recovering from the injury was like. Man, there's always something that I'm dealing with. <laughs> I guess the the biggest, the only one that took me out in the last year, like so we're talking like June, July. Yeah, -ish. It must yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah. I actually I had an avulsion fracture in my fifth metatarsal. So like. That little, if you feel on your foot, there's this little spot on the outside of your foot where your bone kind of like makes this, this like V shape and pokes mm -hmm. out. And my, where one of your ankle stabilizers that does this kind of movement, this, this E version, if you will. And, and where, where your, your fibularis muscles insert, when I was getting all revved up and getting ready for marathoning, it wasn't during a hard workout. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just this little tilt in the road. And I stepped into and had an audible. I couldn't tell if I felt it through my body and felt it in my ears or if I heard it. But this this like pop um, coming up from I don't even remember which foot it was, which is a really good sign. <laughs> and and just basically what happens is your bone has this layer over it and just kind of popped this little chunk of bone off of it just by being so powerful. It'd be like if you put a really strong electric motor in your standard in, in like an old beater Honda Civic and then just floored the thing. Like you, just because the engine is strong in my, you know, in, in this case, like the, the cardiovascular function and the, the muscular system all revved up and, and coaches use the word muscle tension, which really doesn't refer to anything at all. But I guess it's like recruitment or excite, excitation of, of muscle fibers, I guess we could argue. And so you get all revved up. And so I just yanked a chunk of my bone off of itself through a stabilizing muscle basically. And it wasn't and some sexy trail run or anything. It was just, I wasn't underfed. It wasn't anything like that. It was just freak accident, I guess. Since then I do, I mean, I infrared every single morning, but since then I have been infrareding my feet exactly. Cause they tend to be kind of like Achilles. Like they tend to be the one thing that I'm using to lean my body into the, into the fire instead of, instead of baking them. And so that's a slight adaptation, but coming back from that, you know, it's a broken bone. Like it took, it took weeks. And so like I, I was able to hit it with platelet-rich plasma, PRP. Dude, PRP is amazing stuff. If you have somebody 
make the best relationship you possibly can. If you don't have somebody come to Durango, stay with me. We'll shoot you up for a hundred bucks or 150 bucks. Like it, it doesn't need to be thousands of dollars because it's your own, it's your own plasma, right? Yeah. It's your own platelets. And so I hit it with PRP. I was able to, to cut the recovery time, projected recovery time in half and to come back guns freaking blazing when I came back instead of, instead of, you know, teetering back into fitness. I don't ever like to get out of shape. So I'm always a couple of weeks removed from a hundred mile week, whether that be in the taper preseason, postseason, whatever I can always at, at the drop of a hat, you know, with three days notice, I can do a hundred miles or 120 miles in seven days and have my body feel good. And so I was training my face off through recovery and just doing everything that I can. And so I was taking saunas very seriously. That gets a little bit of cardiovascular function. You know, I'm, I'm, I love having a sauna space in the house. It's, they used to call them pocket saunas. I really like that brand. Mm-hmm. It's the Faraday now, but, um, sauna space, if you're not familiar with them is awesome. You flick it right on. I, I don't typically let it heat up all that much and hop in there and I can dump buckets of sweat out within half an hour or 45 minutes. And so I was taking my saunas really seriously to maintain cardiovascular fitness. And I was doing everything that I can on the muscular end to make sure that I was symmetrical and keep everything talking and then did a solid stint of microdosing on the comeback where every single Monday I was, I was microdosing some psilocybin and some other synergistic stuff along with that to make sure that my whole system was communicating and that everything was staying supple and not holding on to that, to that tension of, of, or that distrust, I guess, with my body. Hmm. And I was able to come right back into it and I've had no compensatory injuries or re-injury or anything like that. And, you know, I had a really bomber fall mixing it up with obstacle course racing. I had, I'm having a lot of fun training for this marathon, training for the Houston marathon. And so I'm even crashing and burning at the obstacle course world champs and then crashing and burning at the Houston marathon. I feel like that's such a good double that I'm just, I'm just happy to see both of those things on one person's calendar that I'm, I'm proud to be doing all of this. And so, yeah, I mean, injuries like that, you, I mean, I can, I can tell just hearing myself brief it like that, that took nothing out of me. You know, that, that didn't take the wind out of my sails. It was, it was a lot of fun. It's just, it's a new learning experience. And once you, once you start framing things as like, this is, this is this dance with my body, then sometimes your body gives you effortless flow and, and all the speed you can possibly handle. And your job is to just get your brain out of the way and stop inhibit, stop inhibiting that. And sometimes it's, uh oh, got some dogs barking. (laughs) And sometimes the, the process is, is beautiful and blissful and easy and exactly what you want. And then sometimes there's a certain level of, of receptivity that has to be involved. And I, I'm an integrated person at this point in my life, man. I mean, I have, I have sweat and cried and held shaman's hands enough times to feel like I can say that with, with a certain level of confidence. And I, I'm, that's, that's vital when you end up hurt. Right. I mean, when you end up hurt, you can't, you can't say, especially when you're doing this professionally, you know, the, the existential dread that I was kind of like teetering around earlier is if you're digging a trench at the end of the day, you dug a trench, there's a trench and somebody gets to have water or sewage or whatever, because you dug that damn trench. When you're an artist or you're an athlete or you're uh, some type of content creator, it's really nebulous as to how much value you're actually bringing to the world because there's no ditch. There's no, there's no house built. And yeah. when you can even compete, it's very, it's been vital for me that I, that I can write and I can talk and I can connect because everybody gets injured. You know, if I can't, if I can't make heads or tails of being hurt just because I'm a professional, then I can't connect with 
the average person. I can't connect with real people as I would call them. And, and that means, that means more than being faster to me. And so I, yeah, I'm 30 years old. I've been hurt plenty of times and injured a few times. And that's, there's a lot of value in that. And so I came back stronger than ever. I came back more, more hungry than ever. I came back more grateful than ever. And it, it sucks that wisdom and gratitude have such a high cost, but you can't really opt out of paying the cost. So you might as well, you might as well get the benefit. Yeah, no, I love that. The, the, the mental aspect of coming back from injury, I've always found I've been injured a you know number of times throughout my athletic career, if you will. And I've always thought, thought or felt that the psychological impact that I had on me was the hardest. How do I train? How do I not fall back from where I've been? What can I do that's still pushing me forward? What things can I do to like still improve myself yet still work on my injury and, you know, push the boundary, but not push it too much where I'm re-injuring that same injury. And so in, in a sport like running, like what were some of the things that you were doing just because it's less obvious, like there's not, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, tactics or different things that you could be studying film. I don't yeah, know if that's a thing in running, but what were you studying? Things, right. Running is running. Yeah. I did a fair yeah. amount of biking. Um, I, I live in, I live in a biking town. I mean, as much as I like to say that Durango is awesome and the best place ever to run. And it is, it's a biking town. I mean, we, we invented certain aspects of mountain biking and, and you still see the history here. You can see the trail names being test tracks and that sort of thing. And mm. that's, that's what this town is properly legendary for. And so, with that in mind, you know, it, it's pretty easy for me to access like a really high end bike and just have one more thing to like literally cry with gratitude over of I have this awesome bike in this beautiful place and can go bike up these mountain passes that make the Alp d'Huez look like a freaking hill, you know, and I can I can really connect with all this. And so that's that's what I leaned on. But one thing just like summary here um, for what you're saying, what I'm saying, I think the the important part is that you not change the way that you see yourself. You are still the same person you were pre-injury and you are the, the goal might even still be exactly the same. And so you need to find a way to train through that, to meet whatever the goal is that you've set for yourself, come hell or high water or injury, because that's that in the end of the day, that's where the value is. It's in, it's in walking the path and it's in trying to win. There's, there's no value in winning. Winning is empty and hollow and, and like kind of like, it's, it's always a letdown. Winning is mad, but trying to win is freaking everything, man. Trying to win or whatever your definition of success is, is absolutely everything. And so I think it's very important for people if they're dealing with an injury or if they're dealing with some kind of major setback to say, you know, what, what the person that I want to be or the person that I was trying to become before I had this setback, what would that person do with this setback? And then do that because it's not, it's not always about running sexy splits. It's not always about racing. Sometimes it is about health and wellness. And sometimes there's some deep spiritual lesson in there and your body's just letting you know something. And you should at least be open to all these ideas because if you knew everything, if I knew everything, then everything would be perfect all the time and there would be no point in living. But it's like, that's beside the point. But but there, <laughs> if you had it all figured out, you wouldn't be broken right now. So you should be receptive. There's a certain level of what I think of as, as the divine feminine, right? There's a certain level of like polarity of like the mission, the, the masculine, the mission, like get shit done, force against force and the feminine, like receptivity, the universe is abundant. There's so many, there's a million ways to do it. There's all this chaos to pull things out of and, and create from and, and combining these two things through injury is possibly one of the best opportunities that I've had. And that's comparing it to like doing peyote with a wee shaman, right? I mean, getting injured can be incredibly profound and eye opening, And so 
why not? If it can be, use it for its highest good. It gives you that opportunity to look back. Sometimes you've been like going so far ahead, so much in that like get shit done mode that you, you've been letting stuff slip through the cracks. And that may or may not be the reason that someone gets injured, whether that be in the gym, whether that be running in a, in a different team sport or whatever. But then that injury comes and it's like, okay, now I can't do the thing that I was doing before. So what can I do? You can either just be there and be in like the existential dread of like, oh, woe is me. And like, I'm, you know, sorry, so sorry for my life and I can't do this and my leg hurts. And okay, you could do that and you know, that will get you nowhere, but fine. Or you could try and like look at it as like an opportunity and pull from that and say, okay, what can I learn from this? What can I learn about me? What can I learn about my body? What can I learn about the the world or my sports to make this not happen again? And if it does happen again, or if that situation comes up again, I step on a rock that's a little bit sideways. How do I make this injury not happen again when I step on that sideways rock? Because it's going to happen. You're running on trails. You're running on open road. There's, there's rocks. There's uneven ground. There's things happen. This is just part of sports and part of life. If you want to extrapolate that in your job, there's going to be obstacles that present themselves and you can't just fall or succumb to the same obstacle or challenge every single time, right? You've got to be able to overcome those and become a better person. Yeah. It's an opportunity for disillusionment. And I think that's, that's something that I've had from a very young age. My, My mom asserts that that's, she's, she's in the nature camp on that, not the nurture camp. She asserts that I was like that from the get go, both, both my parents do really mm. fair that from the time that I could tie my shoes, I would rather flounder and figure out a way to tie my shoes than to let you pedantically explain that everybody ties their shoes. This way. <laughs> and I'm like that still. I mean, I am very much like that still of, okay, well, everybody uses wetsuits to stay warm at night, but I got a better idea. And you know what? I'm going to bet my race that I have a better idea. <laughs> and it's like, did it go right? No. Was it due to the not wearing wetsuit? hundred percent, 80 percent. So it's like, but, but you know what? I now have a respect and a confidence and I still think there's a better way out there. But the, the times when things don't go the way that you planned on doing, that's your chance to see that you don't have all the answers. And that should be an exciting thing. Not that shouldn't, that shouldn't check your ego. That should be an exciting thing. That means you are doing so well. You are finding happiness. You are making progress with a shitty worldview. Now there's an opportunity right here sitting glaring in front of you to correct your worldview. And next time you're going to be even happier, even faster, even more successful, even sexier with your clothes off. Like you are going to crush, but you need to integrate this. Don't, don't blindly keep going forward. This force versus force thing here. If you're getting something, if you're getting a download, take the download. And that's where the true fun of it comes in is trying something new. If you do something that everyone else is doing all the time, then you're going to continue to get those same results. But you know, it seems like maybe a poor decision performance wise in hindsight to not use the wetsuit because it resulted in not winning. But the goal wasn't really maybe to win. Maybe it's having fun. Like you said, that's where the real, that's where the real, uh, or sorry, the real fun is in trying to win. So by using a slightly different tactic and trying to win, if you would have won, you would have been like, wow, Anthony revolutionized the sport. Everyone's yeah. going to do this now because he won and that's it. We all do this, right? Uh, like in football, this happens all the time. A coach will make a bad call, what everyone perceives to be a bad call and the play doesn't work. It's like, wow, what an idiot. And then sometimes a coach makes a bad call, but it works out and they happen to score a touchdown. It's like, wow, genius play. It's like, well, it was the same level of, of intelligence yep. in those two calls. Just one of them happened to work and one of them didn't. And you can analyze that to the nth degree, but it's the fun of trying, of trying to win. That's where the, the real magic is. And, you know, experimenting and saying like, okay, this is a plausible idea. Let's roll with it, see what happens. And then just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. To, to me, that's, 
that's everything. And and I think I think that's one of my things, right? When when I when I said that the value in living an extreme life is finding something that other people wouldn't find and gifting that to people. If there's something that I could promulgate, it's that, right? I mean, curiosity, man. You don't you don't have all the answers, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That means as happy or unhappy as you are, there's more things out there. If you are already playing the game and you already understand all the rules and you already have all the pieces, mm-hmm. you've already assembled this whole this whole thing, and all you can do is is let your strategy keep unfolding the way that it is. That's a sad worldview. It's no wonder people have people have you know depressive issues. It's like that's a rough place to live when when you're set on your track and that's just that. And so the the idea that at any point you even the idea that you are those things that you could be is an interesting idea to me. <laughs> like you aren't everything that you are. You aren't everything that you know. You're everything that you could know. You're everything that you could be. You're everything that you could do. That's fascinating, right? And that's that has nothing to do with athletics necessarily. That's that's like you could snap your fingers and become this whole different person. And and that's, that's, that's so much more. This is where this, this concept of accessing more of yourself or creating more of yourself, I think overlaps in both of our lives. I'm not an ultra marathon runner. You, you are a long distance runner and an athlete. I'm, I, I do sports and exercise obviously, but I'm not a professional athlete or, or competitive athlete of any kind, but we both the reason that we met is through through the Wukio brand, which is about accessing more of yourself, using these nootropic supplements and, and combinations of, of uh, ingredients to access more of you. And so that translates to me doing podcasts, to me coaching people, to me writing, and, and to you and all the things that you do. And it's not just about the running or just about the coaching or the writing. It's about how do I become more of me? How do I bring out more of what's inside to give that back out to the world? And I think that that's, that's the most interesting part of the, of the nootropics to me is that they, they, they just allow you to access more of yourself. And we're so sheltered in, in what we do in the life that we live for the most part, that trying to bring out that more real version of you and the fullest potential version of you is why I'm so fascinated by, by these things and, and so happy with, with the Wukio stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, I think what you're saying is almost, it's like, that's almost quoting me verbatim talking about like drugs <laughs> at large. It's like, I don't, yeah. I don't like alcohol as a drug, you know, like, a wine tasting is great or like a pairing with a meal is fine. But like the idea that I would take a sedative or a depressant is really odd to me and, and has been for most of my life. So it's like, I just point that out to say that maybe I'm, I'm not like a genius. I didn't like figure this out. This is just kind of <laughs> dumb luck that I'm wired this way. But the idea that, you know, I can have strategic caffeine and like, and like nootropics, like I took half an apex this morning and that's about all it takes to get me super, super rowdy and breeze me through my day. You know, I had a better writing session this morning. I had a more mindful sauna session this morning. My heart rate wasn't elevated. My breathing didn't feel all crazy like it does with other stimulating things. Having, having, you know, apex in the quiver is a perfect example of drugs that make me more me. That's what substances should do. If, if they don't make you more me or more, more you, and if you don't want to be more you, then there's a bigger problem in there. There's something that needs to be addressed. And so when I, when I talk about microdosing or even even you know certain types of training like very long very slow training or um like Taoist tantric sexual ideas of like cycling energy it really is all about like leveling yourself up from the base from the most from a from a spiritually cellular level not just mitochondria and so everything kind of ends up in the same bucket to my mind with that and yeah man there's 
I saw Wookiee immediately. I mean, I keep my fingers on the pulse in, in this whole sphere. I've been saying for a few years, somebody's going to have a better, a smarter caffeine sup. We can do better than caffeine mm. and taurine. We can do better than caffeine, taurine, and claiming that there's aminos in there, even though there's like 0.01 grams of, of <laughs> tyrosine or something in there. It's like, that's that's shameful. Somebody has to do it right. And the, the value's already there. I mean, people are already spending the money and they think they're buying these things already. And so having something really, really refined with a sexy approach. And, you know, my first conversation with Wookiee was, we're edgy and we're different and we're not changing for anybody. And I was like, same, <laughs> like, let's freaking talk. <laughs> and so we've, we've been growing together and now the product line is so much more than just essay. And, um, man, that's, that's, that's an easy thing for me to see that like you're playing with that and I'm playing with that. It's like, I think this guy gets something. I think he's, I think he's in the know immediately little like fist bump from, from across the world there. Yeah. For, for me, it was when I was introduced to it, I've tried multiple different nootropic supplements over the years. And, you know, you keep hearing about it. Oh, this one is great. This one has this something or other in it. And it's like, okay, sure. Let me try it. Oh, yep. It's good. Like, it's all right. And then, and then, you know, Wukio comes around again and, and it was the same kind of thing. Like, all right, sure. Like I'll, I'll give it a go. Now it was introduced to me by some people or one person, Matthew Busson, who like I 100% trust. And so when he's saying it's legit yep. and he's done a lot more testing and work th than I have, if he's saying it's legit, then I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll pay attention. If it wasn't from him, I probably wouldn't have like I would have just blown it off and be like, yeah, I'm not, not interested. I, I don't need this. It's not really doing, doing all that much for me. And I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. And I was, I was blown away by, by how effective it is and like, and how good it made me feel. And across the board with the, with the product line, I almost, I almost honestly think that, that the essay is almost too good. I, I, I'm not sure that I can handle it. I only, I only take it on days where I've got a lot on my plate because otherwise like I, my brain is like too much on fire it all and it's first. like, I can't, I can't go to, Aim it all yeah, first exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it's, yeah, the fact that it's almost too good is a, is a good, is a good testament to it. But, but the bliss supplement as well is another, like, is another huge one. And I don't want to go too much down the, down the whole rabbit hole of, of psychedelics because that's another like several hours yeah, totally. <laughs> of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but as far as getting out of your own way, dealing with the injuries, keeping your brain connected to your body and also disconnected from your body, I think that that's where the, the microdosing of that stuff like really comes into play. And a lot of people need to tune into that Big a lot I more. Mean, that's how you something you alluded to with your, with your injury. That's how you carry these things, right? I mean, the, the body does keep score. It, it keeps track of these, these yeah. traumas and micro traumas, and you can't grit yourself through pain. Pain is inhibitory and, and you're not, you know, again, like if you're gritty and I'm happy, I'm going to beat you <laughs> over, over the <laughs> yeah. course of a long event. And not only that, but we're going to finish and like, I'm still going to be happy and you're still going to be gritty. So, you know, <laughs> the finish line, like, sure, you can stoically bear it or something, but like, I'm going to be soft, you know? And, and I think that that connection to yourself can be amplified by, by strategic, intentional psychedelic use. And probably any, I mean, I think one of the things that I've been pushing for is everybody says, oh, the body keeps score, the body keeps score. Okay, that's fine. But that means the body keeps score of transcendental experiences too. So when you go do something crazy and awesome, you know, you, you have an apex day and you take that and you fire yourself out of a freaking cannon and you have the best run you have and the best riding you have, guess what? Neuroplasticity, um, like physical response, your heart, all these things, your body's keeping score of that transcendence too. So why not that too? Why, why is that, why is that only a negative thing? It's only referred to like post-traumatic stress. It's like, we're not talking about post-traumatic growth. It's like the body does keep score and it keeps score of, of 
good and bad in there. So open your eyes up. There's so much good to see. And play with drugs that make you more you. <laughs> do you do you titrate your use of any of the Wukio products or any of the other stuff Dude, that you take for for the purpose of of like not being so reliant mm-hmm. on them? Because something you alluded to earlier was like this, you know, this primal attitude of like, I don't need all that stuff. I can just, it's just on me. I can do all the things. But there obviously is like some amazing tools that do help us significantly. And so, you know, you want to use those, but you don't want to be dependent on them at the same time. Like how do you, how do you marry those two concepts in your head? I do minimum effective dose of everything. So it's like, I've found that, like I use dose, like everyday dose. It's this coffee blend. It's 39 milligrams of caffeine. I can probably do that once in 24 okay. hours. And, you know, even me historically, like I can do 100 milligrams or 150 milligrams of caffeine every single day and then take a day off. I have no headache. I have no sleep issues. I have no anything. And part of that is like, I'm eating a lot of choline, right? Like I'm taking care of my brain. You know, I didn't, I didn't play with, with any serious substances until, until well into my mid to late twenties. And it's like, so my brain is very, um, not just plastic, but, but supple, like it it rebounds easily. And even with that, I don't like to do anything every day. And if I am doing it every day, it's on a very finite amount of time, you know, two weeks it's periodized, right? It's like meet me right where I am for race day. And then race day, you go to war. Like you don't go to, you don't, you go to kill, you don't go to get killed. Right. It's like, you're pulling out all the freaking stops. Like they're coming for your heart. And so I, I will periodize everything, but I do two weeks postseason and then at least the first full week of training. So that might be three weeks total. That might be four or five weeks total of no pills, no powders, no, no potions, no nothing. And that lets me kind of reset. And then I reintroduce them one at a time to kind of revalidate. What do I think I'm getting out of this? And am I actually getting it out of it? Yeah, yeah that, that's amazing. It just comes back to that, like, like the running log. Okay. I did these things yeah. and this was my performance, right? This ultimate awareness of what you're doing so that, you know, you actually do know that it's not just the placebo effect that is taking place to make you feel good that you're taking it. And, and I think that that's actually valuable. Like one thing I think I've been critical of saying is like, you don't need pre-workout supplements. And I do kind of believe that, but, but for some people, if you take a, like your whatever regular drugstore pre-workout, that's not all that good anyways. And you take it. And that's the thing that like gets you jacked up to go to the gym and not even like really physically or physiologically jacked up, but just like mentally jacked up yeah. then like file means like it's just not doing that much harm. Like go for yeah, it. My, if the placebo effect is working hat, for you, lean into it. My scientist hat says, you know, is it a theory that's testable and repeatable and we can come up with a mechanistic idea? Is there ancestral use? Is that sort of thing? My athlete side says, does it work or does it not work? Because at the end yeah. of the day, it really doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter the mechanism. Does it make me faster? Does it make me more joyful? And that's that's the only proof that I need. Man, yeah, I'm realizing exactly. I think a part phone, of it- battery has been dropping like 1% every like three minutes and I just dropped my last percent and we're probably like, what are we like? Okay. Yeah, we're, we're close, but let's wrap this up real quick then. Do you have any last message that you want to get and rattle off your contact info before I lose you? Dude, at Anthony Kunkel, it's all phonetic. Look me up. Um, I don't want to get cut off by my phone battery dying, but, um, look me up. I have a a pilgrimage this spring that y'all are welcome to join for. I'll pick you up from the Albuquerque airport and everything. Um, I do running camps all the time and they don't need to be running. They can be obstacle course racing. I've had nature photographers here. I've had painters here. I've had graphic artists here. If you want to disappear and take your lifestyle, but not yourself completely seriously, this is your chance. I don't charge anything. My front room has seven beds in it. I've never filled it. Um, you know, my batting average is like 25,000 invites like this right now to get one person here. So you're not imposing show up here. 
I'll house you. I'll show you a good time in Durango. And yeah, man, I, yourself included, dude, bring you, bring yours, come up here and go monk mode yourself, whatever that needs to mean for you. And yeah, man, that's, that's my, that's the only call to action I can do, right? Come share my life. I'll cook for you, whatever, whatever I can possibly do. Beautiful, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, everyone, Anthony Kunkel on Instagram, across the places, look him up. We're rushing to finish this, but we will do a part two because I think there's so much more that we have uh, to, to uncover and to discuss here and possibly bring some others in. So yeah, thank you very so. much for listening, everybody. I, I appreciate appreciate each and every one of you. Follow him on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Daniel Yours. Like, share, subscribe to the podcast, all of those things. Um, that's it. Go outside, be a good person, and uh, we'll see you next time.